0: Can you believe that we are nearly at the end of 2022? My mind is kind of blown right now. I want to let you know that there is actually still time for you to work on your business before the end of the year. And here's why I think it's a good idea for you to do this. Number one, it means that you actually can finish the year really well, you can finish the year strong. Number two, it means you start 2023 knowing that you have a roadmap. Even if you haven't implemented everything, you have a roadmap for the year ahead. And there's something really cool about finishing a year and knowing that leading into the new year, you're not gonna be floundering for the first kind of three months of the year, you're walking into the new year with a game plan. If that sounds like you, if you feel like, do you know what, I want to do this now so that I can start the year with confidence, start the year with clarity, then I want to encourage you. If you've ever thought about joining us inside the Next Level Club, now is the perfect time. So if you're interested, if you're a creative service provider earning 5k a month or more right now, and you want to plan to take your business to the next level, level, then send me a direct message on Instagram just with the words next level, and I will send you all of the details and we can chat about what's going to work best for you and your business. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people you'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can build your dream business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Well, hi, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, today is a really special conversation and I walked into this conversation thinking, great, I'm gonna pick Kirsty's brain about getting really compelling social proof, which I do. <laughs> I do pick her brain about that, I promise you. Uh, it's towards the end of the episode. So if you want really practical tips, then head towards the end of the episode. But before we even talked about any of that, we actually talked about Kirsty's journey as a mum in business and to me that just it just kind of naturally that's where the conversation went and honestly there's something about Kirsty's story there's something about the how candid and honest she is about her journey that is so beautiful so you're gonna love this conversation. It is a conversation for all. Now, to give you a little context about Kirsty, she is a launch copywriter and ex-psychotherapist who helps online business owners sell more stuff to the right people without the sleazy tactics. She's our kind of gal. You're going to love her as much as I do. So let's dive in to my conversation with the wonderful Kirsty Fanton. Well, Kirsty, I am so glad to be chatting with you today. We have been long-time internet friends and it just feels so good to be seeing you face to face in your nerdy gamer headset. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good to have you here. It's so good to be here and I feel the same. I feel like I already
1: know you and it's just like, cool, now we get to hang out and see each other's faces. And yeah, my nerdy, <laughs> my nerdy podcast paraphernalia. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. Running a business when you can actually make friends online, and like we jumped straight on this call and we just launched into all of the, you know, deep and meaningful things. It makes running a business so much more fun and so much more enjoyable when you have people like yourself, even like just in the same corner of the internet, not even necessarily in the same corner of the world, knowing that, oh, cool. If anything ever came up, I could be like, Christy, like, <laughs> can I get your advice on this or can I get your help on this? And I think it just makes running a business so much more fun. Totally
1: agree. And so much more meaningful. Hey, to just know there's someone who like gets what you're going through. And like, as you say, you could just send a little SOS to and be like, hey.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Because I think as you run a business for a while and, you know, even being in online business and, and I know that we're both in that online space, things change so rapidly and it can feel like, you know, it's kind of things can snowball real quick and you can feel like, oh my goodness, my business is getting ahead of me and I'm trying to keep up with it and all those things. And I think it's nice to know that there are real people behind the screens who are actually just legit and doing their, doing the things that are helping their people. And I think that's something I've noticed about you is that you have that, like, you are completely and wholly yourself online. The way you show up is just, it just feels like it's just you. And you're really specific with the ways in which you help people. So I love watching everything that you put out online. And I love kind of having you as my little internet friend. Oh, well, thank you.
1: The feeling's mutual. I feel like you're also super authentic, which I think is so cool in this space, you know, particularly if you look at it historically and you think not that long ago, everyone was sort of just putting their shiniest moments out there for the world to see. Um, Yeah. yeah. I'm glad times have changed.
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. Agreed. Agreed. Now, we're going to talk about, uh, you've got some really, really cool um, things that we're going to talk about. Social proof. We're going to talk about that. But I I kind of, before we even hit record, we just started going really deep on mum life for you. And I thought it'd be really awesome for us to start there because I know that you, how long have you actually been running your business for?
1: Oh, I should definitely notice off the top of my head. I put my shingle out in
0: 2016. So yeah, seven, no, six years. (laughs) Yes. So I think, and I would have started in 2017. So That's, yeah, that's really cool. And so you kind of have been in the game for a bit and in online life, that feels like a long time because things have uh, changed so rapidly. But talk to me about the last kind of 18 months, because you've had your first baby, you've had Ollie, and I want to talk to you about how that has changed the way in which you run your business. Because I know that You know, it's been such a process and such a journey for you. And I'd love to just start here. Where what has changed about the way you've run your business since having little Ollie?
1: (laughs) The short answer is so much, almost everything. (laughs) (laughs) But no, to give some some details and some context. So before I was pregnant, my business was pretty heavily based on providing done for you one-to-one copywriting services. I also had um, a group program called Brain Camp, which uh, helps other copywriters really nail their copy and understand the psychology behind it. Um, maybe relevant to note that I am an ex psychotherapist and an ex uh, university lecturer in a couple of psychology subjects, so that's sort of what my background is and how that course came about. Um, and also, really a lot of what informs my copywriting because I think at the end of the day, copy really is just really effective conversation between a business. And a prospect, so of course, knowing yeah. how to, you know, how brains work and how to form relationships and how to sort of impact decision making and all those sorts of things obviously very handy, very relevant for copywriting. So, that was sort of how my business started, and that was where it was up to when I got pregnant. Um, so I'd built up to a pretty successful business. Like I was really happy with how it was all going. Um, Financially, it was really profitable, doing really well. Uh, And then once I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I obviously can't fully anticipate what life with a small human will be like. Um, But one thing I'm pretty certain of is that I will have far less time and far less energy To devote Mm. to the business um, because I'll have this little dependent who will obviously need a lot from me um, particularly in the first little while. So at that point I developed two digital products, Um, one is called the Mirror Journal, one is called the Social Proof Sidekick and my plan was to slowly but surely sort of transition the business so that the majority of my income would come from those digital products because of course they are set up so that they can Sell uh, and be delivered without me actually having to do anything in real time, uh, whereas you know the done for you services obviously require me being available on Zoom and me you know hacking away in Google Docs to deliver the the copy. Yeah. Um, so thought that would be sort of a really good fit. So made a few key shifts before I went off on maternity leave. Uh, Ollie is now sixteen months, and I've been back at work since I think. End of February, start of March. So it's only been like six-ish months, five or six months. Um, and as I was saying to you, Laura, before we hit record, <laughs> I, although I was kind of right in in my ideas about having far less time and energy um, for the business, I underestimated just how significant that change would be. Um, and you know, of course, every baby's different, Ollie not a great sleeper. Um, <laughs> also when he started daycare, you know, got sick literally every other week. So even though yeah. he's in daycare four days a week, it's only really the last five weeks that he's actually reliably been there all of those days. So until then it was like, I could, couldn't could really have any reliability to my availability or any chance to really build momentum. Um, even though I was focusing on not one to one client work, but on really optimizing those funnels for my own digital products uh, and also running uh, Brain Camp again, that group program. So it's like it's been a wild journey to be, to be honest. And yeah. things have shifted a lot. And I think I'm still trying to nut out, you know, a few humps and a few challenges and, and find what feels like really solid footing um, because it's a very different business that I have now compared to what it was pre Ollie.
0: Yeah. And and I think it's really fascinating and, and because, you know, as I was saying to you earlier, Kirsty, like I – because Nathan and I don't have kids yet, we're kind of like uh, really kind of going, okay, well – I mean, for me, I'm very fascinated with how people go from being all in on business and business is kind of your baby in a sense to then being – like, okay, I've got this deadline of like, this is when my baby is coming and I've got to figure it out kind of thing. And so I think it's really fascinating. Like I've loved watching your journey and how you've done it. And it does confirm to me that having an online business is the way to go because it gives you that flexibility and it gives you that um, more leveraged income. So you're not trading your time for money. I'm curious about and I know we will talk about the um, particularly the social proof sidekick because I've I've actually bought that product and loved it and found it really really helpful. But I'm really curious about your journey. So in leading up to having Ollie, what were the key things that you think you did really well in the in the lead up and in preparing for that? Because we have clients of ours who are in that process and they're like oh my gosh, like I've got to, I've got to sort this out and I've got limited time to do this. So what do you think you did really well in that process? Oh,
1: such a good question. So I think one thing I did really well was planning launches. So the launch of the last round of brain camp I did before I went off on maternity leave and also the first live launch of the social proof sidekick, etc. planning those out, so that I had a really good amount of money in the business bank before I stopped working um, Mm -hmm. so that the business could keep ticking over um, and also setting up, it was such a low-key Evergreen funnel um, for my digital products but getting them to the point where they – made enough sales while I was off on leave that all my expenses were covered Um, so even though I wasn't working the business was still functioning and I wasn't losing money I was just sort of the bank account was staying steady because expenses and and income were matched Um, so I think that was a good play because it meant that I didn't feel the pressure to come back to work sooner than I was ready to or sooner than I was really able to so because I know for some people you know I know that will sound like a luxury and I think it is a luxury too, you know, to have the, a bit more choice about when you, when you do come back. Um, So definitely clearing my schedule a little bit. So I stopped booking one-to-one work as soon as I was pregnant um, because I was booked out, I think six months in advance at that time anyway. So I was like, okay, I need at least like, you know, a couple of months at the end there where I can just work on my own projects and get things up and running as much as possible to support time off um yeah because like I said my business up until that point was really dependent on me doing work in real time so yes I think those things are really good calls um I think in hindsight I didn't start making those moves early enough only because in my mind I was like you know it's okay I'll have all of my pregnancy to to make those big shifts and to get things in place but I didn't prepare for the fact that I was actually really sick throughout my whole pregnancy so you know the last thing I felt like doing was work and there were days where I would you know show up to deliver a workshop in my group program and then as soon as the workshop was over I'd literally just lie down on the floor underneath my desk with a bucket because I just couldn't like there was nothing else Uh, I could do so you know if I had my time again I would start making those shifts earlier Um, and of course you know everyone has a different pregnancy and you know hopefully for people in your community, if they're sort of at this stage, I hope you have a really well pregnancy. Um, But I think, you know, in hindsight, it's probably would have been wiser to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that's really, really good advice. And I I do feel like for me, I think I probably have a a similar approach to you of that. Nah, I've got a pretty, I've got a pretty big capacity. I'll figure it out. You know, like, (laughs) we'll work it out. It'll be all good. And then like, yeah, like if you throw in being sick or not having any sleep or like baby can't go to daycare because everyone's getting sick every other day. It's like those things that you kind of can't plan for that come up and you've got to have you know capacity mm. to actually meet those those very immediate needs that are right in front of you, right? Totally. And it's such a good point because
1: I think, you know, for people like you and I who've been in online business for what feels like forever in the context of online business it's like (laughs) (laughs) we've got to know our capacity really well but as you say that capacity shifts and changes once Mm -hmm. there's a baby in the picture so it's 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 a strange experience planning projects now because I would have been able to do something reliably really well say in three days pre Ollie, but now you know I still can't be 100% certain that I'll have those three days to devote to it. And I don't know what my quality of sleep will be like the nights before, for example. Um, Although, as I was saying to you before we hit record, you know, my um, efficiency has really skyrocketed. Um, I think because, you know, I have so much less time for everything in my life, um, apart from Mm. Ollie. (laughs) Like, I just am much better at getting things done more quickly. So, that's a positive, like – I feel like that's a real win. I'm like, okay, like becoming a mum has really just made me like super efficient at all the things, yes. <laughs> which is great.
0: And and do you feel like for you, Kirsty, like now running your business, you know, 16 months post Ollie, now running your business that that felt like a strange turn of phrase. <laughs> Like Ollie is like some sort of event in your life. It's like BC. You're like (laughs) AD. I heard it and was like, that sounded really strange the way I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay, sixteen months into being a mum, what what does it look like for you now? Like you've said that your you know capacity or your efficiency has really increased. Are there some things now in business that you go, do you know what? That does not matter. It doesn't move the needle. I'm not doing it. Totally. Yes.
1: And for me, I think at the moment that is social media. Um, Yeah. Like Instagram, I think my last post was like three weeks ago. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But for me, you know, that's not a key priority at the moment at least, Um, you know, and I'm busy with other stuff that really needs to take the best part of my energy and concentration for each day. Um, So if I do have time for that stuff, I'll get to it. But if not, you know, it doesn't matter. So I think you also get, as well as becoming more efficient, you also get a lot more decisive um, Mm. purely because you have, there's just less of you to go around. Um, And also probably relevant to say that, you know, I actually only just, hired a VA last week. So, my VA that I had previously before I went off on mat leave, um, she actually started a different business while I was on mat leave. So, um, I haven't had any support in the business until last week. So, that's probably also worth saying because, of course, if you have a team around you, I think this would be a different experience because you'd be able Mm. to you know, get people to pick up more of what you need to put down um yeah so probably also not a great decision by me to just sort of <laughs> go solo but I think that got lost in the fact that like I was like you know I'd love to have time to hire someone and have really you know have great clarity around what I want them to do when and how things are going to progress but you know I don't know what days of the week I'll be able to be you know accessible and that sorts of thing so yeah I don't know I, it was probably not the best call but yeah, it's, it's been a messy return to work, I'll say, in all honesty. Mm. Um, not that it's mm. been bad. I have really enjoyed it and it's a great new challenge. But um, yeah, definitely more challenging than I had anticipated.
0: Yeah. Now, when you think about what success looks like for you running your business, has that changed or evolved for you? Totally.
1: So, I've always had the opinion and belief that if you have your own business, it should support the life you want to live. And of course, Mm. the life you want to live will look different at different points in time. So, you know, before Ollie, again, it's a weird turn of phrase, but I feel like we just need to roll with it. (laughs) It's a measurement of time. It's a measurement of time. (laughs) But yeah, before before I had Ollie, you know, I think I was in a season where it was really exciting to be able to make a lot more money than I ever had in my previous career Um, and Mm. I had the energy to do that and for me it was about shaping my days so I could uh, have a really profitable business while also having really clear boundaries around, you know, when work started and finished. Today I think my priorities are to have a business that is equally if not more profitable without needing me in it. As much, so I really am trying to, like, not build myself out of the business, but just remove myself and my real time presence from the financial equation if that makes sense because you know some days i just like it's so nice to you know drop ollie off at daycare and then you know go for a swim or like listen to a podcast and have a coffee because i don't get the chance to do that anymore outside of work hours because i've got this very busy (laughs) 16 month old who's like running around and wants to have dance parties all the time which is wonderful of course but just a very different um outside of work experience to what it was you know, before him. So, yeah, so it's definitely shifted what success looks like because I think for me it is really about just creating more space and time for myself uh, yeah, in my work days and in my life in general so that I feel like my tank is still full, I think, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. And what would you say to someone, to a mum or a parent who's listening who does feel like they just shift gears immediately from, I drop the kids to daycare, school, whatever, and then I'm in boss mode and I, there's no kind of room in the middle for self-care or for like going to a cafe and sitting in and having a cup of coffee or reading a book. Like what would you say to to someone who feels like they're just shifting gears and, and moving from thing to thing to thing as a mum? Oh, look, I think – well, probably the first thing is, you know, I think what
1: works for – me is different for what works for anyone else, right? So knowing yourself and knowing really what conditions you need to create to do your best work and, and to feel like a really well version of yourself. So for some people, you know, that might be a great scenario because, you know, mm. they like being go, go, go and, you know, maybe they don't, aren't someone who, you know, enjoys like alone time as much as I do. <laughs> um, but I think if you are in that situation and you're really – finding that that's becoming a problem and you're feeling like you're running on empty and things aren't working, um, you know, then I think it's probably wise to sit down with a book and a pen or if you are more digital, you know, an open Google Doc or whatever and just sort of try and take a second to get perspective on the business, perspective on your life outside of business and how the two can work together together. Uh, to support each other a bit more effectively, knowing that you always have different levers to pull. So for me, the levers I had to pull were digital products, right? And using those to hit my financial goals rather than my one-to-one services. So it was like switching gears for me. Um, And of course, for other people, that will probably look different. Um, But again, you do have levers to play with. It's just identifying what those are. And I think, you know, the more you can just even take an hour out and try and get that bird's eye perspective and try and work out what needs to move in order to make your business feel more spacious or more supportive um, so you can get that strategy nailed down and then work out how to actually execute on that.
0: Yeah and I think it's really interesting I have seen this quote a few times where it's just creatives need time to sit and do nothing and that idea of constantly you know whether or not you're a parent but constantly being in motion we're constantly on our phones we don't even like stand in line to get a coffee without being on our phones on instagram or on emails or whatever else we're doing and i think that idea of to to actually create something worthwhile especially when you're thinking about can i create a digital product or a course or something that's more scalable you actually need time in order to create something really valuable too. So it's this thing of finding the space isn't uh, counterproductive. It actually makes you more productive, right? It kind of actually helps you to produce things that are more, as you say, strategic and planned out rather than just kind of being reactive.
1: Yes, totally. And it's funny because I obviously work with a lot of other copywriters, particularly in my group programs and day rates I think are a service that, you know, is becoming more and more common amongst copywriters. So Mm. if someone, you know, hires a copywriter for a day and they focus on, you know, whatever the deliverable is that the client wants to have or to have optimized in that time. And in talking about services like that, so many of the copywriters I work with find it a huge relief when they interrogate me about what my day rate looks like and discover that I don't just spend the whole seven hours like in my in the Google doc, like that I actually have time in there, like you say, to think about things and to let my brain sort things out and trickle down and do that more creative strategic work um, and to get that perspective. So even like as a really small example, I guess, of how important yeah. that that creative space is and that thought space in terms of actually helping you work through things and get, as you say, the best product at the end of it you know, it is really important. And I think, you know, that's definitely for me in my experience as a mum, one thing I have to be super deliberate about, you know, making time and space for, um, because it often doesn't feel like productive work, but it is Mm. the kind of work you need to do in order to be productive and effective.
0: Yes. And before we kind of go into social proof and, and a bit about how you've built out these digital products, because I think for a lot of people in our community, they're really wanting to, to start thinking about this. The final question I kind of wanted to ask you on this is how do you, do you kind of look at yourself now as like Kirsty business owner 2.0? Like, do you think there was a very clear delineation between like, again, (laughs) pre-Oli, (laughs) post-Oli, like, do you feel like there's like big shift and and do you if so how do you kind of let go of the expectations of what you used to be like in business how you used to be able to show up and and how you show up now Oh, such a good question. So yes, I think there's definitely a shift. I don't know if I call
1: it like Kirsty 2.0. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Kirsty mum mum version. Um, yes. But I'm also uncertain whether this shift is permanent or it's just for now, you know, while Ollie is, you know, still really dependent on, on me and on my yeah. husband, you know, for all the things, you know, I I feel like while everything feels drastically different now, I, I suspect perhaps I'll move back to like a more amalgamation of like Kirsty version one and Kirsty version yes. two at some point. But I think it is, or at least I've definitely found it challenging to sort of uh, adapt the business to work with what I've now got. And like I said, there are some benefits there, like the efficiency and and you know the um, ability to make more definitive decisions about what's actually important, you know, or Mm. needs to be prioritised, like those are really good things and I hope I retain those abilities moving forward. Um, But I think I've also lost things like uh, the ability to plan projects quite so concretely or, you know, yeah like with such certainty, you know, and there are some days where I I do miss doing the done for you one-to-one copywriting as well. But, you know, just accepting that for now, that's probably not feasible, or at least mm. I don't think I'd be able to deliver those projects to the same standard that I had previously. And therefore, I think that would eat me up a little bit, um, Yeah, you know, because I think you're only as good as your reputation. And of course, I would hate to deliver something to a client that's just not quite hitting the mark so yeah you know it's a bit of a a shift in identity and like I said earlier still sort of trying to find my feet um but I think you know for anyone who's listening who is thinking about stepping into motherhood there is a whole body of research on the concept of matrescence and I don't know if you've heard of that term before Laura but um it's psychological it's a state of development like adolescence um, specific to birthing mothers so uh, it's all about the physical hormonal emotional and identity changes that we go through as we become mums um, so I think that you know could be a good place to start if you're thinking about that just to build some awareness around what actually happens in your body and on a chemical level uh, and also all those challenges in in really working out who you are now that you have your own little person or little people Um, because I think, you know, while everyone knows about adolescence, I think matrescence is still sort of not so commonplace. I don't know, but it's so important. Like it's such a big change.
0: Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Oh, cool. Well, you would Google it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think, and this is why I'm so like curious about your journey because I think in business there are seasons where, There are seasons where certain things work and there are seasons where, you know, like we used to do a VIP day and that worked. There was a pocket of time where like, that was awesome. And then it got to a point where I was like, this actually really tires me out. And I know it's like good, good money. It's profitable, but like, this doesn't work for me anymore. And the same way, I think it's, it's good to actually recognize there are times for certain things and like you say there's a season for the done for you for your business but maybe that's later on and my take in you know the time that I've run my business is to not hold the the things the delivery vehicles of of what you do so tightly that you then kind of lose the ability to go oh like could could this be an opportunity or could I do it in a more efficient way or could I help people in a different way or does the format need to be me one-on-one or does it, can it be in a group or can it be in a course or can it be pre-recorded or whatever? I think if we hold the delivery of our work more loosely, it just means that as we navigate different seasons, we're not so uh, trying to, you know, force it and and kind of clench our fists and and like kind of make something happen that it's just like, this isn't the, the right time for it.
1: Yes. And I love that. And I think it's so important too. like, I love what you said about your VIP days, because I think in business so often we can stick with things for longer than we should, because, you know, they tick some of those more external markers of success like profitability or the fact that maybe Mm. you were booked out months in advance like it was such a popular service you know you could sell it like you know off one Instagram post whatever that might be but if it's no longer working for you and no longer serving you then is it really successful so I think it's so awesome everything you said there because you know yeah life is full of different seasons and I think a good business will work with you to support what you need in each of those seasons. So perhaps success has been able to identify what needs to change when, and then just having, I guess, the, you know, the guts and the, I guess, the self-belief to make those shifts happen.
0: Yes. And you're so right. It does take a bit of self-belief and a bit of, if this doesn't work, I'm going to figure it out and we're going to be okay with getting feedback and identifying what about this isn't working and going from there. I think Instagram and social media can make it feel like it should be perfect. You should be sold out. You should be booked out months in advance. You should do the six figure launches or whatever. And in actual fact, it takes years <laughs> of like lots of iterations to get to those types of results. And, and I know you would have seen that yourself. Like it just Oh, when people come to me and they're like, I'm just going to launch a digital product and, you know, it's going to be easy. People are going to buy it and whatever. I'm like, oh, like (laughs) there's a strategy. Like it's doable, but if everyone could do it, um, everyone would be millionaires, you know? So it it does require strategy to be in this online space. It does require strategy and it does require... Um, a process and I I want to like from here I want to look at one of your digital products that you have created because as I said uh, social proof sidekick really has helped me and I know for me as a creative I've always been sheepish about asking for testimonials I've always been a bit like nah, I don't want to do it I don't know how to ask I would ask like can you just leave me a testimonial can you like you know, kind of say something nice about me and people would be like I like a hair (laughs) and be like what (laughs) (laughs) that is not helpful at all (laughs) so so I want to talk through firstly like can you give us some insight into what social proof sidekick is and why you created it because I know that a lot of our community would be curious about this Yeah, of course. So, the
1: Social Proof Sidekick is everything you need to collect, select, and leverage Social Proof to help you sell more stuff to the right people. And it came about not only because, as I mentioned earlier, I was looking to generate some different revenue streams and digital products felt like a good fit for going into life with Ollie, um, but also because on every single done-for-you copywriting project I've ever worked on, every single client, even the really, really big names in the in the online course space, their social proof absolutely needed optimization. And I think uh, what that was a result of was just a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding about what social proof actually is and how it can actually help. Because I think, mm. you know, most business owners know that it's good to have testimonials or reviews, um, but they don't know necessarily what makes a really powerful testimonial or what makes a really influential review um, and how to actually go about collecting those so that you can leverage them strategically to help your business perform better. So I think a lot of business owners see social proof as more of like a checkbox task like do I have testimonials yep cool okay on to the next Um, whereas really like in my experience and of course also knowing what I know about humans from my career in psychotherapy and how our brains work and how we make decisions and how the fact that we're such social creatures means that we are highly influenced by the opinions and views of others. Like I know the mechanics of social proof in a way that I don't think a lot of people do um, and I know how to apply that in a business sense um, and particularly um, when it comes to selling offers. So um, for me, it seemed like a really great product to create also because I didn't know anyone else who was teaching it. Um, yeah so yeah that's that's how it came about that was probably a long a longer answer than you bargained for (laughs)
0: sorry no but i i think it's so helpful so for anyone listening what who doesn't know what social proof is what what is social proof and and kind of why does it matter yeah sure so social proof
1: um i guess in a nutshell is any evidence provided by real humans so ideally your customers if you're talking about it in a business sense that your offer uh, is valuable, is useful, um, that it does what you say it will, uh, that it's worth the price or worth more than the price you're selling it for, uh, Mm. and that it still offers value uh, even if the person currently looking at that offer has some sort of objection or hesitation about actually purchasing it. So, it's a lot more than just verification that you know, Laura has lovely hair, which you do, but (laughs) (laughs) it's basically a really great um,
0: sales tool. Yes. And so when you think about, you know, as business owners, you know, I think a lot of us understand the concept of, okay, I need to be gathering social proof. I need to be actually, you know, providing evidence that what I do, whether it's my product or my service, it actually delivers on on the promise, right? What do you think are the big mistakes that business owners make when they actually ask their clients or their customers for testimonials or reviews?
1: Yep. So, I think you mentioned one of them. <laughs> and you just If you just ask someone for a testimonial and that's the yes. ask, that's such a missed opportunity. <laughs> because I think when people see that question, you know, they're more likely to send something generic, um, something that is more polished than they would otherwise offer. Um, So, you know, something that is very clearly written as a compliment. So, you know, Laura was so wonderful to work with, you know, she made me really happy. Like, (laughs) that's a lovely compliment. That's nice for you to know. But that's not going to help another prospect make a purchasing decision. So I think that is by far the biggest mistake. I think another mistake Mm -hmm. is not asking for it at all because you feel awkward Mm -hmm. about it um, or because it gets lost in the, you know, 2032 other tasks you have on your to-do list as an online business owner. And I think as well, the third mistake I would say is that business owners often think of it as just a chance to either ask really specific things, so ask closed questions, so like, you know, did working with me help you hit your goals? Um, A question like that can be answered with a simple yes or no, and, of course, that feedback isn't in a really useful form for you to use um, to, you know, help solidify the value and the usefulness of your service. So asking closed questions like that or also thinking that it's a way of of asking only for the good stuff because I think, as you mentioned before, it's really – useful in business to get to have a really current understanding of what about your offers is really hitting the mark and what's not so that you can actually use that feedback to keep optimizing things Um, because the more you can optimize an offer you know the better reputation it's going to get and that reputation is what will help it sell and I think particularly now in 2022 in this current environment where you know the economy is a bit uncertain and people are probably a little bit more reluctant to part with their their cash, you know, to invest Mm -hmm. in things. I think that reputation piece is really key. Um, And, of course, having social proof is a really great way of building that reputation for that offer and building your prospect's trust that the offer is legit and that it is actually going to help them and deliver what it says it will. Um, Sorry, I got off track there. Yeah.
0: No, (laughs) that's totally fine because I think that makes a lot of sense with especially in the online space and especially in the service space where there's an element of, well, could I get this from someone else who offers the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. I think having, you know, these these testimonials, this this proof that says, no, 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 this is someone like me made this purchase and they recommend it highly and they they say it's worth the investment and then some, that type of thing I think is – is really, really powerful for us to consider. And so when we think about like, okay, I need to generate social proof. I need to be asking my clients for like, actually asking them for testimonials, but I need to structure it. What, what how do you do that? Is it a form that you send? Is it a, just an email with some questions in it? What, what does that kind of look like practically?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm a big fan of using survey software, so always sending surveys. So something that is really structured and really tailored specifically to the service or the product that you're wanting feedback on because the more specific the feedback is, the more useful that will be as social proof. Mm. Um, So in the Social Proof Sidekick, there's actually a whole section um, that is a builder survey tool and it's quite cool. You, um, You know, it gives you really concrete examples that you can edit to fit your offer so your product or your service and then you select those it actually generates the survey for you so then it's just a case of copying and pasting that into whatever platform you use whether that's typeform or google forms or something else um yeah. but it's also i think you know that's a form that I really highly recommend using because it makes it really easy to collect feedback at scale and also to automate the process of sending it out, right? Because you can schedule that to go out at a certain point after someone makes a purchase or at the end of a project, you know, inside whatever project management software you might use. But I think the most important thing is that you need to be strategic with the questions that you're asking. Mm. So, for example, one question that has always yielded incredibly powerful proof for me and for so many of my clients is how did this offer so again you'd be specific so say you were someone who has an online course you know how did this course compare to other courses you've taken um, to help with whatever the course helps with to help with your copywriting Um, because what that gives you nine times out of ten is a really active comparison between your offer and your competitors offers and you know when Marketplaces are crowded, as I think most are these days in the online space. Um, your prospects will actively be thinking about your offer versus someone else's. And I know that it can feel easier to sort of just not mention other offers and just mm. hope that someone will choose yours for whatever reason. But if you actively facilitate that comparison and you do it in a way that is evidenced by social proof and you're very uh, easily able to speak to really specific things about your offer that make it a better fit for a certain type of prospect, um, that is really going to help your conversion rates and really going to help your sales. So, asking that question is such a good idea if you have any kind of service or product that sits in a marketplace that's crowded.
0: Yes, that is so, so helpful. Is there a sweet spot of the number of questions you recommend to ask? Yeah, so where possible, I recommend keeping it to 10 or less.
1: Um, I think my surveys that I send out in my own business and, and for my clients always end up being between eight and 10 questions just because yep. you want to ask enough questions that you have uh, really useful responses that you can then leverage, um, but not too many that, you know, someone gets to the survey and they're like, oh my God, there are 25 questions here. No, nah. um, you know, I'm going to click on out of this and, and not worry or oh, maybe I'll come back to it later and they never do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you want to find that balance between making it an easy ask for someone to actually complete the survey uh, and a survey that will actually give you the raw material you need to go ahead and leverage that proof uh, in a really measurable, effective way.
0: And that kind of leads me to final question here. So say you've got your eight to 10 question survey, you've got it set up in Google Forms or whatever. For most people, Google Forms is free if you've got a G Suite account, right? So it's kind of easy and I think that's what we do for my marketing playbook and the next level club so you've got your form you've got your questions and I know that like the actual questions you have within the the survey that you send are super important and that's what I loved about social proof sidekick was that it it helped me to ask better questions because I would have just asked you know like what was your experience like rather than saying well what how did you feel before working with us and now how do you feel about marketing your business and, and growing your business. And that's where we would get the kind of really juicy like, hey, I felt completely lost. I felt overwhelmed. I had no idea what I was doing. And now I feel confident. And I feel clear and I feel like ready to kind of kick ass. And that if I didn't have those strategic questions from you, I would have just asked really kind of boring questions, to be honest, and questions that everyone asks. So, once you kind of got, and I just want to like say, if you need help with the questions, we're going to put a link to the show notes um, to the social proof sidekick, because I, we don't have time to go into all the questions that you could ask, but honestly, it's really, really helpful. So Kirsty, once you've got your questions set up, you've got your survey, you've started sending it out to clients. First step, first kind of sub question of this is, what do you do when a client goes, yes, I'll do that, and then they just never do? How do you follow up? How do you make it so that there's something in it for them?
1: Mm, good question. So, another um, thing that I dive into quite a bit of detail in, inside the Sidekick is framing. So, uh, framing is basically just the way in which uh, you present that survey to the people who are going to fill it out. So giving some context around what's inside, what to expect, how they can be most helpful. And if you think it's relevant or necessary for your audience some incentive um, for them to Mm. complete that survey and that could be a range of different things depending on your business and your values and what feels right for you but um, for example some things i've used in my business and for clients have been going in the draw to win a free 60-minute coaching session donating you know five dollars to a certain charity for every survey completed by a certain date Um, and for some people yeah, it's a, it's a good one, hey, if you can feel good about it too and you get to then go and donate, you know, 200 bucks to whatever, you know, that's kind of nice yes. as well. But um, some sometimes, and I think this depends on the relationship you as the business or the business owner have with the people you're sending the survey to, the incentive can be as simple as, you know, your feedback will be absolutely invaluable to me um, as I go and refine this offer Um and, of course, if it is the kind of offer or service that that person may reinvest in, I think there's a natural incentive there for them too. So, for example, uh, when I send out the feedback forms to Brain Camp, I remind everyone that you know, they actually get immediate access to any upgrades that I make to the course content as mm, a result of the feedback. Um, so, that's, you know, an incentive that is really effective. It doesn't involve, you know, any monetary um, rewards, etc. etc. Um, so, there's that to keep in mind. So, the actual framing of it, to, so to make sure that you know people are adequately motivated to complete the survey, so you can get the, the social proof that you want and need, um, but also not being shy about following up. And I think, again, this is often a sticking point for people. If they feel awkward about making the initial ask, they're probably less likely to go back to someone and be like, hey, <laughs> remember that feedback form or that survey I sent you yeah. a few weeks ago, you know, would you mind jumping back in? Um, but I found in my experience, the simpler the reminder, the better, um, and just yeah. really reinforcing what's in it for them when you make that reminder ask. So, for example, for Brain Camp, it's, you know, hey, it's been a month since I sent that feedback form to you, just a reminder that it's still sitting there and that You know, every piece of feedback you share is really invaluable in helping me optimize the course. And of course, you get immediate access to any upgrades or updates I make as a result. Um, I'll be doing those uh, upgrades, you know, next month. So something like that, something that really incentivizes them, reminds them um, or just a gentle nudge. i feel like the sweet spot of follow-ups is twice and then i feel like anything beyond two follow-ups and you're (laughs) at risk of becoming a pest so that's sort of how i set up my automations uh, and reminders for
0: people yeah so you have this automated and embedded into your process right i do yes yes (laughs) that's really cool okay final final question once you got the social proof, what next? Like where does it live? What What should you be doing with it? Do you just slap the whole thing onto your website? What, what does that kind of look like?
1: <laughs> so definitely not slapping it onto your website. <laughs> 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 and definitely not. And I see so many business owners who do this, having just one page on the website for testimonials that you know, there are no testimonials or social proof anywhere else. And social proof isn't just testimonials, by the way, I should flag that too, even though we're focusing in on this, uh, it's much broader. And I often use things like screenshots of DMs Mm. or emails or feedback forms even um, to prove certain points as I'm, you know, creating copy or sales pages or checkout pages, whatever that might be. Um, But definitely thinking about where you can strategically place that proof for best effect. So, For example, any social proof you have around the fact that people were a little bit hesitant to buy your offer, but now that they have and now that they've used it or they've experienced it, you know, God, they're glad they did because X, Y and Z happened, you know, that kind of proof is almost always more powerful towards checkout. So, whether that's on Great. the checkout page when people are there and they're sort of hovering over like, oh, do I actually want to buy this? If there's proof there that reflects where they might be in their decision-making process and they can see, okay, so the fact that I'm sort of, I'm in now doesn't mean it's not a good decision because look, these people were also doing the same and look how well it worked out for them. Um, You know, that's a hot tip for placement. It's also really valuable to prove points as you make them. So, if you are selling some sort of group program or online course and you're talking about the fact that, you know, the online space you have for that community is one of the most supportive on the internet, you know, that's a really – powerful place to use social proof that helps you actually prove that point, whether that is a mix of testimonials or perhaps with people's permission, screenshots of conversations happening within that space. So, people can see that, you know, you're not just saying this about your offer and just hoping that they're going to believe it, but you're offering them proof um, because what that does is it shuts down any questions or uncertainties they might have about that claim you're making because if you can make the claim, then prove the claim, our brains are like, okay, cool, tick onto the next thing. Yeah, Um, right. So getting really strategic about where you place the proof is really important. It kind of closes
0: any loops that are open. It kind of closes those loops because it's like, well, that's, yeah, that's sorted. Don't worry. Like we can trust that now.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So proving points as you make them is really key. There's a whole bunch of examples inside the sidekick and for different use cases like proving a beta offer or proving an offer in a crowded market or proving an offer that has more intangible outcomes like coaching for example you know often quite hard to say you know there was a monetary ROI for example Um, so yeah there's a lot of strategy behind leveraging social proof really well and actively using it as a sales tool as opposed to what we spoke about earlier where people consider it more of like, oh, there's a testimonial, like, tick, my social proof is done. Um, Getting really strategic about the placement of that can and does make a really noticeable uh, improvement on conversion rates.
0: Ah, so helpful. Well, there is so much here, Kirsty, that I know that our listeners are going to be like, oh my gosh, I just need to get the formula, get the framework and do it and get it done. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'm doing social proof wrong, um, which by the way, when I bought this, I was totally doing it wrong too. So (laughs) you're in good company, my friends. If you're interested, head on over to our show notes and you'll see that we have a link there that you can check out the Social Proof Sidekick and learn more info about that. In the meantime, Kirsty, where can people follow you? Where can people connect with you more?
1: Yeah, uh, so I love connecting with people who listen to any podcast I'm on and, and such an open book when it comes to all things business and also motherhood. So uh, head on over to KirstyFanton.com if you want to have a look at my website and jump on my email list there. Um, or otherwise, Instagram is my one social media platform where I am <laughs> active yes. in when I'm not posting. Um, so at <laughs> Kirsty.fanton
0: is where you'll find me there. Incredible. And Kirsty, I've just got to say, already i'm like in my mind line, lining you up and saying you need to come and do a training in the next level club on this whole thing because i think there is just so much i think there's a lot of money that's being left on the table by not leveraging social proof and it's if we can get it right it's just so powerful so yeah once we finish recording i'm just going to talk to you about that
1: <laughs> <laughs> i would love to do that
0: Well, I told you she was brilliant, right? (laughs) What a cool conversation. I encourage you to follow Kirsty on Instagram. Uh, We'll link to her in the show notes. We will also link to her social proof sidekick because, oh my goodness, it has helped us a bunch. And I know it's gonna help you a lot as well. So make sure you head on over to our show notes. You'll find links for all the things you need in there. As always, if you loved this episode, let me know always love hearing from you so please send me a dm on instagram at lalasocialclub.co it's great to connect with all of our listeners so thank you so much for doing that and hey extra like cool thing if you love the episode and you want to leave us a review then you are so welcome to do that so please do that that actually really helps me i need to ask for more reviews around here and in keeping with kirsty's theme it really means the world to me to get feedback and to hear what you're loving about the show. So please leave us a review. We love that social proof. Um, alrighty, things are getting weird here. I don't know what's happening. I love your work. I will see you back here same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, my wonderful creative friend, go get them.